स्थापकाय चर्मस्वधर्मस्वूपिणे अवतार वरिष्ठा ते नमः वसुदेवसुत कंसचानूरमर्दनम वंदे So in the last class we were studying the 59th and the 60th, 60th verses of the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita where the idea was that, that the restraint, when we are restraining ourselves in the 59th sloka, what it was mentioned that when for whatever may be the reasons, maybe because of health reasons, Sometimes we have to restrain ourselves, that we have developed some lifestyle diseases or like diseases like diabetes or something. And so naturally we have to restrict ourselves from certain type of diet. Or it may be because of some social norms. My inordinate attachments is forcing me to get involved in certain type of sensual pursuits. But the social norm doesn't allow. I restrain myself. Or as a spiritual aspirant, I have thought something. I have just chosen something as an ideal, which entails the restriction of the senses. So in all the three cases, whether you are a sadhaka, you are a spiritual aspirant, or it is a sick person or because of the social norms or there is another factor that as a student or in, in certain pursuit of life, I know that for my career, that certain sort of restriction is required. If I get too much involved with the inordinate attachments of life, I lose my far-sighted vision that something great is waiting for me, if I can focus myself. So let me attend that. It's not that my aim is to get rid of all the so-called inordinate attachments of life. For the time being, let me delay my gratification. So such in such all cases, in these three or four cases which we have described, what's the basic psychological uh, orientation? that I have the, still I have the test for all those things, but I have just restricted myself. So the test has not gone. And unless the test has gone, in spiritual sense, 
in the if if I am a spiritual aspirant, as long as the taste persists, persists, it continues. It speaks of the desire still in my mind. It doesn't skin speaks of the cleansing of the mind so as to take me to spiritual realization. So that was indicated in the 59th sloka that Vishaya Vinivartante Niraharasya Dehina Rasavarjan Rasopyasya Parandrishtva Nivartate. So as long as we have not went to the highest spiritual realization, whereas if, whereas if I have seen the truth, till then, know it for certain, whatever may be the reason for which I am restraining myself, I am nirahara. As we told, ahara does not mean only taking food. That's what generally we specify as. But it has a much broader meaning. Ahara means aryate iti ahara. Whatever you are gathering in is ahara. Through my eyes, whatever I am gathering in is ahara. Through my ears as a sound, whatever I am gathering in is ahara. Through my nose as smell, whatever I am gathering in is ahara. My tongue, whatever I am tasting is ahara. And my skin with the touch is all these five senses are gathering in. Nirahara means I stop, restrain myself from gathering in through the five senses. That doesn't entail the relinquishment of the test. It still remains. The test falls off only when you have seen the absolute, went to that realization. We were discussing this in details. Uh, we will just, <clears throat> in this class, the idea which we will focus is that how it happens. You may say that when I see the reality, whatever may be the reality, how it happens that all the test also vanishes. And for that, let us recapitulate in the last class, we were just uh, describing an incidence in the life of Swami Vivekananda, which he has related in his lectures that when he was passing through the deserts of Rajasthan, he was thirsty and he was in search of water and suddenly he saw a huge reservoir at a distance. He started moving towards it and suddenly he saw the reservoir vanished. It's not there. And then the, immediately that idea dawned in his mind that from the childhood I have studied about the mirage Intellectually, I knew what Miraj is. I had, a, I had thought that I know what is Miraj. But it was all Ativada. I was speaking of something which was beyond my realization. Today, I have realized. I have become Nativadi. Nativadi. My realization doesn't transcend my... My speech doesn't transcend my realization. I have seen the truth. I have realized it. Now what happens? A great transformation happens. The next day Swamiji is saying, again I am passing through the desert. As I have realized what Miraj is, that doesn't mean I won't see Miraj. Again I see the reservoir. But today there is a great difference. The rasa has fallen off. 
that reservoir doesn't have the power, the capacity to drag me. Yesterday it was dragging me. I was in search of water going near it. Today it has lost the power. Once you have realized the truth, it all the, this entire existence, the phenomenal existence appears to be a mere projection of the absolute truth, which is the essence of my being. And as long as I take that projection to be real, that rasa, the taste will never go. It can only fall off when this entire creation you just find is actually a mere projection of that absolute reality. And then you can be just the witness. You can see it, still see it. As you are in your body, mind, senses, you still see it, but it cannot drag you. You are just the witness. You're just seeing it. In no way it can involve your emotive faculties, your feelings, your emotions, nothing. Your perception has got cut off from your emotive faculty. You can just see the thing as it is. <clears throat> and that's indicated in the 59th sloka. But till we go to the realization, it's not that it's just my will that I can go to the realization. It's when it will happen. We don't know. In spite of all, all our spiritual practices, when that moment will come, when we can really go to the realization, we don't know. Till then, we have to be very cautious. And that was indicated in the 60th sloka. What? Yatoti, yatoto, yapikonteya, purushasya, vipaschita, indriyani, pramathini, haranti, prasabhangmana. That the senses are so strong and turbulent. Indriyani, pramathini. That they will forcibly carry away the mind. Even a person endowed with discrimination, who is practicing self-control. Because with our conscious mind, we are trying to practice self-control, but we forget our subconscious mind is very strong. It can simply wash away all your resolve in the conscious mind. It is tremendously powerful. And how the subconscious mind gets activated, all the sanskaras are there, hidden. It, the, as long as it is hidden in the subconscious mind, it is in no way going to harm me. It harms me only when it comes back as memory. The sanskara comes back as smriti. And when the samskara comes back as smriti, that has tremendous force, but it is lying dormant. It comes back as smriti, as memory, when, when I am in touch with the sensual objects. Just to say, you will give an example. Suppose today I have tasted a delicacy. For the first time, suppose I tasted the donut. I really relished it. And it's not forgotten. It's the test of it has gone deep into my psyche and is there in my subconscious mind. Now, when I get involved in the other activities of life, it is there in my mind, but I, it doesn't torment me. Why? Because it is lying there latent. Now, after say, after, after one month or something, I am out for shopping and suddenly you see the shop. 
the, the, there's the shop which is selling the donut, whatever may be the brands. What happens just by seeing the thing which was lying in your subconscious mind, latent, immediately that gathers the force of memory. It comes as a turmoil and just like a tsunami, it comes and breaks in your conscious mind. We see the tsunami, we never see the eye of the tsunami. That's the eye. It was quite just lying dormant, but the perception immediately brings it back. And then I find that I cannot in any way stop. I have to go, I have to have it. So what happens the moment you see the object of senses, immediately your indriyas are so strong that it can just simply wash away all your so-called conscious resolution. There's a very nice story in the life of Latu Maharaj. Swami Adbhutananda, he was illiterate, but he was considered as a miracle of Ramakrishna. That, Ill, that he was as a like as just as a servant boy, he came to some of the some Ramakrishna's disciples' house, Ram Babu's house. And this small, simple boy, seeing Ramakrishna once was tremendously drawn towards him. It's a very nice, funny story that he told that I want to stay with Ramakrishna. I want to serve him. Rama, then Ram Babu told, who is going to pay you? You serve, you as a servant boy, you are staying with me, you are serving me, I pay you. If you stay with him, who is going to pay you? A simple answer was, you are his devotee, you will pay. I will stay with him. So such a simple boy, just came from the village, had no uh, such this worldly understanding. And Ram Babu was a real devotee of Ramakrishna and he really uh, appreciated this feeling of this small boy. He took this small boy to serve Ramakrishna. And that's how Latu Maharaj, this, this Latu, his name was Latu. So he started staying with Ramakrishna. Now just see that the, how Ramakrishna, the Guru works the, as a blessing on the disciple. Now Ramakrishna knew that this young boy is a very small boy, is innocent. But as per that in the interior villages of India, in Bihar, from the Bihar state, that those who are hardworking, these poor people, throughout the day work hard and, and it's, it has become a natural tendency for them. It's, it's quite obvious because of that hard work when they come back at home to relax, this homemade alcohols is very common, very common. So from the childhood, they, they will see their father, their relatives are resorting to that drink. Ramakrishna knew that he, in his family, in the village, that all had the habit of drinking. So now this is, he's a young boy, but who knows that what samskar is lying because that he has seen the family, he's from that background that may be hidden in his samskara that may be hidden in his mind and it may sprout up when he grows, it may sprout as a young boy, maybe it is just hidden. So Ramakrishna's instruction was one day he asked when he used to come from Ram Babu's house to Ramakrishna's place. The road by which he used to come, there was a shop which is to sell alcohol. And Ramakrishna, when he came to know that he comes by that road, which is just by the side 
that road by the side of that road at one place there is a shop which is sells alcohol <clears throat> ramakrishna told that young boy don't come through that road and you know this guru bhakti is an interesting thing that can transform your life this small boy took the words literally and just to avoid that road he had to walk another 1 km 1 and 1/2 km extra road but he did it diligently as long he was serving ramakrishna he never came through that road so what that story shows that all the sanskaras are hidden they have a tremendous power the moment it gets comes in association it will come back as smriti as memory and it can totally disturb you so as a spiritual aspirant till the test has not gone till you have not got to the realization this avoiding such circumstances which creeps in sometimes we don't understand our mind fools us i think that it is quite innocent but it is not that innocent how it will come and disturb my mind i don't know so you have to be very cautious that vigilance is the price of purity so that's the thing which is indicated here there's a very nice stories that how that small innocent attachment can simply drag us to death there's a nice story that a monk uh, who was who just went to a river to take a dip saw on the middle of the river a blanket is being washed away it is just float flowing along with the stream a blanket now this sadhu this monk he was in need of a blanket in the winter you know it's very cold he thought that blanket is simply washing away why not i just go and swim and grab it so he swam he was some other monks were also there he along with them he was also taking a dip so now this monk started swimming towards the mid of the river to get hold of the blanket so he got hold of the blanket and then these monks found that even after holding the blanket it is still going along with the stream and these sadhus were concerned what is what has happened is he being carried away by the stream he told why are you not coming back come back with the blanket and this his reply was very interesting that i don't want this means this blanket what has happened actually when he went from the bank he thought it to be blanket actually it was the back of a crocodile so when he went and caught hold of that so now he is saying that i have left that because that uh, the thing which you are thinking as blanket i have left it i have lost just released my hold from it but it is not releasing me it has now hold me means कंबल मुझे छोड़ता नहीं मैं तो कंबल छोड़ दिया हूं कंबल मुझे छोड़ता नहीं सो दैट्स द थिंग व्हिच ही इज सेइंग समटाइम्स इन आवर लाइफ थिंकिंग समथिंग एज एन इनोसेंट एंजॉयमेंट वी अप्रोच इट एंड देन वी फाइंड वी आर कॉट एज ए बी वी कम टू सिप हनी वी एंजॉय द हनी एंड देन व्हेन द टाइम इज देयर टू फ्लाई ऑफ वी फाइंड आवर विंग्स हैव गॉट कॉट इन द हनी so that's the thing which we have to be very cautious about a very nice uh, story which ramakrishna used to relate it is a very old story but ramakrishna used to relate to his 
disciples. That is the story of Kaupinka Vaste. Means for the just for the sake of the loin cloth. What's that? A monk had two pieces of loin cloth, just two pieces of loin cloth. So every day he will wash one and wear the other one, the other one which is which has already dried, that he will wear. And he used to go for begging his food to the village. Now this monk was a very, very renunciate, just two plates of cloth and the rest, nothing, just nothing he had, just to cover himself, that loin cloth he had, nothing else. And whatever he used to get by begging, that was his food. And throughout the day, he used to spend in his spiritual practice, a very simple renunciate. Now he suddenly found that the loin cloth which he gives for drying of the two pair, the one pair, now and then he will find the mouse has come and it has just tore it. You know, the mouse will always tear off the cloths and all. So, so his, whenever his loin cloths were that way damaged, he naturally had to bake for the loin cloth. So now the villagers suggested that now and then your loin cloth gets damaged, you have two pairs. Why don't you have a cat? The cat will take care of the mouse. That monk thought it's a good suggestion. Why not we have a mouse? Uh, why not we have a cat? A cat? And when he kept the cat, now he found that the to uh, domesticate the cat, to keep it, 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 the cat has to sustain, it needs milk. So now again, it was in search of milk from the villagers. So the villagers, knowing his situation, again suggested, why don't you have a cow, keep a cow, so that you can feed the cat the milk. So now he got a cow. Now to feed the cows, he needed the straw. So as per the suggestions, he again now, from where he will get the straw? So the villagers told, why not? That plot of land is lying there. Why not cultivate it? You use it, you cultivate it. So he got that land, he started cultivating, now a lot of work. He have to milk the cow, he has to feed the cow, he has to feed the cat, he has to cultivate the land, he have to cut the grass, the straw. So he needs assistance. So from where, so at last he got married. So had children. And then now he's totally, just see a simple renunciate. Nothing happened at in one go. It gradually crept in. So that's how our mind is. It's if anyone is our biggest enemy, it's our own mind. It's not the enemy is not lying out there in the world. The greatest enemy is our own mind. Unless we know how to be the master of it, it can be a very, very tyrannical master. The mind as the master is extremely tyrannical. But as the servant, it is extremely obedient. You have to make it a servant. Don't allow it to be its master. Once you allow it to be its master, you're gone. It's a tyrannical master. It will drag you, kill you, just like that crocodile dragging and cleaning, just killing that monk. Shankaracharya used to give a very nice example that in spiritual life, if it is like ascending the stairs, your goal is to reach the terrace, the realization. Till you reach the terrace, there's a danger. Suppose you are climbing the terrace with a ball in your hand, Golaka. That's what 
Shankaracharya is giving the example in Viveka Churamani. And you're almost, you have almost reached the terrace. Just few steps remaining. And now because of little carelessness, you trip in one of the stairs. The moment you trip, the ball falls from your hand. But Shankaracharya, what is saying, the ball won't stay in the stair in which it has fallen. It will simply roll down from where you have started. Again, you have to go down to bring it back. So that's what our mind is. With all restrictions, we have tried our best to keep the mind pure. And one day thinking something as a very innocent enjoyment, I thought for just for once, let me enjoy it. And then again, I will forget. Know it for certain, you're gone. It will drag you again to that the stage from where you have started. So that's the warning which Bhagavan is saying that till that, yes, once you go to that Param Drishtva, you have seen that the ultimate truth, then there's no question of this rasa to remain in your mind. The taste has fallen off once for all. Till then, you have to be very, very cautious. Vigilance is the price of purity. So that's the thing which has been indicated in this. There are lots of stories. There are lots of stories which speaks of that. In Mahabharata, uh, there is one Rishi, the story of a Rishi, very interesting stories. These stories are really very interesting. A Rishi used to stay in the forest and his son, he was an adolescent, but he had not in any way uh, uh, been exposed to the so-called worldly life. So he was very pure. Though he was, has reached the state of adolescence, but still the purity was there. And now one king uh, that uh, wanted that his daughter, this the princess, should get married to the man who is extremely pure. Who had to get such a pure man who has not been adulterated. They were in search of such a person. And the spies of the king gave the news that yes, there is a brahmachari in the forest, the son of a rishi who has reached the adolescence, but is extremely pure. He has nothing, knowledge of, no knowledge of this external world. So how to lure him? Very interesting. The princess herself with her sakhis, with all other maids, they in the disguise of boy, started visiting the forest and meeting this young brahmachari. They will spend time as if he's talking with the other boys. And he started saying the Rishi that I don't know why I'm feeling tremendously attracted towards them. Just see, they are in the disguise of the boy, but this son, this Brahmachari is feeling a type of attraction which I've never experienced. I'm feeling for them. And that's how gradually he's being lured. At last, we find the king manages to get this so-called Brahmachari married with his princess. So innocence, know it for certain, innocence is not purity. Purity is maturity through the experiences. And the experience of life teaches you that there is danger in getting involved with the sensual pursuits, And you become extremely cautious. There are very nice incidences, one incident in the life of Ramakrishna, that purity is not innocence. We say he's as innocent as a child. 
But that innocence is not purity. That child, when he grows up, that all the sub, what you say, all the sanskaras, the sublateral impressions in his mind, they start popping up and suddenly we find he has changed. That innocence has gone. So innocence is not purity. Purity is the maturity through the experiences of life. When you go through the experiences of life, you have to learn. We don't learn. That's the biggest problem. That Sri Ramakrishna used to say that a camel thrives on the thorny bushes. It bleeds. But again, it will thrive on the thorny bushes. Our condition is like that. We don't learn from the experiences of life. I still remember in our school, long days back, in the school exhibition, we were doing some experiment that for three days that exhibition was going on. Uh, so in, under the instruction of our teacher, we made one T-shaped glass chamber. So T has three limbs. The T has three limbs. In one of the limbs, it's all transparent, it's a glass chamber. In one of the limbs, a few earthworm was kept. In another limb, on some moist soil, the food of the earthworm was there. And there was a very mild electric shock was kept with it, that it, as it was moist, it was very mild. That, that won't electrocute this, the earthworm won't die, but it will be repelled. And the third leg was empty, nothing was there. And we were just observing that whoever is there uh, near that, just go on observing what this earthworm is doing. Now, as this earthworm, naturally it is hungry. It is in the chamber. Whenever it is coming out, the tea chamber is very small. It is coming out. It has a natural tendency to go towards that moist soil where its food is there. It gets, it gets the shock, comes back. And again, it goes to the same place. This experiment was just to show that they, as if don't have uh, that memory, that what has happened. And it was in three days, it was innumerable times, most probably 70, 80 or more than that, the earthworm has went to the same direction and came back. Now, just think, is our life different from that? Almost we are also doing the same thing. We go on doing the same mistakes again and again, but we don't learn. So the purity lines is just learning. First we learn that we, and we become vigilant. Unless that, unless we do that, our condition becomes with all our education in the words of Ramakrishna, our, with all our education, with all our learning, we become like a vulture. We fly very high in the sky with a lot of knowledge, but our total attention is on some rotten flesh in the ground where it is immediately that total focus is there. We may just see the examples of Ramakrishna so powerful that with all our education, we are like vultures flying in the sky with total focus on the carrion, on the rotten flesh. So in the life of Ramakrishna, there's a nice incidence which, which, which will indicate that what this vigilance means, what's the real purity is. It's not innocence. You know, when Sri Ramakrishna, he was going through his sadhana, he was going through spiritual practices. It was extremely intense. He was in Calcutta, Dakshineshwar, but every year during the rainy season, the water of the Ganges becomes extremely turgid. 
and that's the time everyone gets uh, all, all sorts of the diseases like cholera, diarrhea. So Sri Ramakrishna, does, for those three months, is to come back to his native village, Kamarpukur. As you all know, he was married quite young when he was 24. Holy Mother was five. In those days, it was more like a you know, this uh, that this, it's not that the marriage was consummated when they grow then, but it was arranged and they used to stay, stay separately. Now, when Ramakrishna used to come to Kamarpukur, Jairambati, Holy Mother's place was very near. Now, she also, after the marriage, she has started growing. Now, she has reached the state of adolescence. She used to come to Kamarpukur for those few days to stay with Ramakrishna to serve him. And that's the time Ramakrishna started informally instructing Holy Mother in the spiritual ways of life, but very informally. Not like just a guru and a teacher teaching the scriptures. In day-to-day -day activities, in a very casual way, he will go on teaching. He had his that natural way of teaching. So one day, Ramakrishna was sitting in the courtyard and Holy Mother never used to show her face to Sri Ramakrishna. That's in the, even in the olden days, even now it's present in the villages, you will find that the woman will be having a long well. So she with that long well was brooming the courtyard. And Ramakrishna in one corner was sitting and with a, a hubble bubble, he was relaxing. Seeing Holy Mother just uh, what is it, the cleaning this courtyard, brooming the courtyard. Now he started instructing in his own way. Now, as they were married couple, Ramakrishna wanted to instill the idea of renunciation that though we are married, our life is different. We are not as such going to uh, lead a worldly life. Renunciation that which I have adopted, if you are also my Sahadharmini, that you also want to be a co-traveler in my path, then she also has to be initiated in that idea of renunciation. Now, Ramakrishna to in induce that idea of renunciation, what, she started, what he started saying is something interesting. That this li life is after all so unpredictable. Why to go for this enjoyments? It's flowing, it's unpredictable. So he started saying something very interesting. But what's the need of having children? See, for the first, the, the first child is born to you. And when he's when after six months, when you are going to have that rice uh, partaking ceremony, or uh, that's when you give the first solid food to the child, that is a ceremony. And you are so happy, you have decorated yourself with all the ornaments, with the most valuable sari, invited your all the village or this all your relatives and the villagers to celebrate the occasion and suddenly you find the child is sick it has got cholera and now within a few days the child dies you know in the, in the olden days this uh, epidemic was something rampant it used to just engulf villages after village so the child dies that's what ramakrishna says and now you open all your ornaments you just leave off your this costly sari, and you just weep and well. And after another one or two years, another child is born, and this again dies of malaria. And Ramakrishna was giving this example again and again, that first child of cholera, the next of malaria, the next probably dies of smallpox. And now that young adolescent girl from behind the well, very mildly, what she told was interesting. Will all of them die? 
The moment she told, will all of them die? Ramakrishna was joking. He was just sitting, relaxing. He jumped up from his seat. And what he told was something very, very shocking. He told, oh, it seems I have stamped on the tail of a venomous snake. And he went inside. He rushed inside. Holy Mother was also embarrassed. He was extremely embarrassed. She also just uh, went uh, running from there. But just see what this story says. That when she told, will all of them die? Immediately Ramakrishna understood that in her mind, the idea of conceiving, of having child is there. It is there lurking there. Otherwise, why she will ask, will all of them die? Immediately Ramakrishna is now no more joking. That vigilance, just see the vigilance. The prize of purity is vigilance. It's not just innocence through the so-called the knowledge of the ways of the world. You have developed that vigilance. Just a little indication, little provocation makes you tremendously alert. That's the thing which we should learn from these lives. That how much vigilant we have to be if you really you are, uh, what you say, that passionate about your spiritual journey. So that's why in our scriptures say that a real spiritual uh, aspirant is extremely sensitive. Sometimes we think why this is so sensitive and the example which they give is very is interesting. That suppose a sand particle falls on your skin. You don't even realize the sand particle is there. The same sand particle, if it falls on your eyeball, how you feel? Tremendous irritation. So the sensitivity of one who is really sincerely traversing the spiritual path is just like the eyeball. The same sand particle which falls on your skin doesn't disturb you, but when it falls on the eye, immediately disturbs you. So that's the thing which is being indicated here. hi api purushasya vipaschita indriyani pramathini haranthi prasabhangmana so that's the strength of all the samskaras. It can create tsunami. It can wash off all your... If your resolution is just like a fishing boat with which you are as if traversing on the conscious mind, the tsunami will take variety you don't know. It can simply wash off with no trace remaining of it. So what's the way out? So then in the next sloka, now there is a way out. What it is saying? Tani Sarvani Sangyamya Yukta Asita Matparaha. There's two things. Cut off from the senses. Just see you never get even near to it. Don't feel that confident that even if the sense objects are there near me, nothing can affect me. That will be the Confidence of a fool, Sangya, that be away from it. Tani Sarvani Sangyamya. The next thing is important. Yukta Asita Matpara. Now, when I have vacated my mind from all the so called sensual contemplations, the mind cannot remain vacant. It has to be filled in with something. Yukta Asita Matpara. Attach it. Yukta means always connect it. With whom? With the Lord. 
So after this, there's two things. So again, this Abhyasa and Vairagya comes here. Vairagya speaks of Tani, Sarayami, Sangyamya. That speaks of Vairagya. And this Abhyasa is this Yukta, Asita, Matparaka. This constantly practice to keep your mind in me, in the Lord. And that's the only way to really develop the capacity to uh, have the control over your senses. Vashehi Yasyendriyani. And that's how you can develop the capacity to have control over the senses. And you may say, why, why it's needed? What's all this bullshit? Oh, this, it's what's not required at all. Why should I just, uh, what's the harm in just having the sensed pleasures of life? Why should I control? Now this control is required. Then only you are having pragya, that wisdom can dawn in our life only when we have really fully restrained ourselves. So now this we will discuss to understand that how that pragya, that's something so vital in our life, the wisdom for any field of life, in any field of life, without wisdom, we are going to behave in a childish way, destroying ourselves, destroying others. So this, this pragya is something very important and that comes only when that you have restrained yourself. So first, let us go to that idea, that the idea of renunciation we have understood, that abhyasa, that is also very important, yukta asita. That one of the direct disciples of Ramakrishna, Swami Yogananda, he was a young boy. He came and one day plainly told Ramakrishna that how to get rid of the bad thoughts, it comes. And now Yogananda had the idea that Ramakrishna will teach him some yogic practices, some yoga, some pranayama. With that idea, he went to Ramakrishna. And Ramakrishna, what he told, chant the name of Hari. Just take the name of Lord. Yogananda thought that Ramakrishna doesn't know all those uh, practices. All takes the name of Hari. In the olden, in the in those days, he used to see that when he used to go through those roads down the road, if the road is by the side of those who have the inhabitants of the so-called ill reputants, like the prostitutes and all, he found they also are using the rosary in their free time. All do that rosary, take the name of Lord. What happens? But after two three days, he thought, let as he told me, take the name of the Lord. Why not give it a try? And much later, Swami Vivekananda used to say, if anyone has really controlled himself, it is Yogananda. He had a tremendous control. That the moment he started giving importance to his words and chanting the name of the Lord, he himself found a tremendous transformation has come. Now this speaks of Shraddha. Sometimes we don't have that faith. When someone a spiritually illumined person says something, we don't have faith, we don't give the full weightage to it. If you give, this is happening. It's a very simple thing, that how it happens. The mind can never do multitasking, you know. At a time, at any one time, mind can have only one thought. It can never do multitasking. It is a wrong belief that mind can do multitasking. That when, But we say, but we do multitasking. 
when I am doing multitasking, what is happening? Mind is abruptly, very quickly shifting from one person to the another, very quickly, giving me an idea. I am doing everything together. But actually, we are doing it at the cost of quality because you are not focusing in one thing at a time. So quickly, you are just going from one work to the other. That's what is happening in our mind. When there's a flow of thought, the mind is constantly shifting from one thought to another at a time, holding only to one thought. In modern psychology, they say we think more than 60,000 thoughts per day. 60,000. That's our mind. It's a constant fluid. But its limitation is at a time, it can have only one thought. So when your mind, the evil thoughts are coming, consciously, if I try to bring the thought of the Lord or some good thought, sublime thought, the other thought has to fall off because the mind can never do multitasking. Ramakrishna in his simple words used to say wonderful things. He used to say, you know, when you are just going, walking under a tree and you see the tree, lot of birds are sitting on the branches and you clap your hand, the birds will fly. So the name of the Lord is like the clapping of the hands under the tree. The tree is our body. Deharup Vriksha. Under the body, you clap your hand. Mistake the name of the Lord. Pap Pakshi. All the birds, which, which are the representations of our evil thoughts, they will fly off. So uh, we cannot simply keep our mind vacant. The, in the words of Ramakrishna, if you want to avoid west, that the, in the western direction, I don't want the, all the things which are in the west, I want to avoid. I cannot simply avoid them. I cannot get rid of that west. What I have to do? I have to travel towards east. The more you proceed towards the east, the west naturally falls behind. So Yukta Asita Matpara speaks of that. The more you keep trying to go on again and again, that's what we were speaking of, Sarvarthata and Ekagrata. We have to try repeated failures, but still we have to try. We try to keep our mind in one thought, we get deviated, again you try. Because how it will help? That as we told, that all the things which are in my subconscious mind had come at some point of time, had went through my conscious mind. That the test for the donut which I have developed, once I have not tested the donut, there was a time when I have not tested. One day I have tested, consciously I have tested, and then it went to the subconscious. So all the things which are in my subconscious mind, the gateway of all of them in the past was through the conscious mind. So this present my attempt, when I've understood that they are in no way helping me, they have become my masters. How to get rid of them? I again design my mind with the good thoughts. But they're weak. They're thrown away with these bad thoughts. But know the equation that the way to the subconscious mind is the conscious mind. So though this attempt is feeble, but it is gathering its strength by each and every attempt. It is going to the subconscious mind. And it is now start, it starts saturating gradually by washing of the old turgid thoughts. It will take some time, but a time will come when you will find this all those vagaries has been washed away. The mind is full of these pure thoughts. As that example, which we give again and again, how, that how to purify the mind. Suppose my mind is just like a cup 
full of turgid contents, the liquid which is full of impurities. It is full to the brim. Now I start pouring water into that cup. It is already filled. So what will happen? This water, the pure water which I am pouring, as I pour, the turgid contents will, will be splashed, will be spilling over because it was already filled. The turgidity will be getting diluted. A time will come when all the turgidity has been washed off and the cup is now full of pure water. So this is the way gradually by keeping the mind in the Lord, we can wash off the subconscious mind. And then the mind becomes ekagra. Its natural states becomes ekagra. It's, it's a matter of time. That's why Swami Vivekananda used to say the entire spiritual journey, the practice of spiritual journey can be indicated by three P. What are the three P? Purity, patience, perseverance. Purity, each and every attempt to keep your mind in some sublime thought speaks of the purity. But it's not easy. Again and again, I will find the minds, the turbulence of the subconscious mind is throwing it off. So I have to have patience. Again, I have to have perseverance. Again, I have to try. Again, it will be washed up. Again, I have to try. And for that, how long it will go? You have to have patience. Wait, the transformation is bound to come. It's not going to happen just like your everyday nowadays we want is just like instant coffee. Just like put it and it happens. Spiritual life can never be instant. Some may be there advertising out there. Come, I will give you immediate samadhi. You will be hoodwinked to be certain because that doesn't speak of the way our mind works. It's all the world is out there to exploit the vulnerable. You will go, you will pay heavy this money, some dollars, thousand dollars or hundred, five hundred dollars. And then you will also say with the others, your mind has transformed, you have got samadhi. You will be bound to say, if you don't say because the world will say you fool, you have already paid five hundred dollars. Say, Swami Vivekananda used to say a very nice story when he went to Pawhari Baba and he asked Pawhari Baba that, why don't you have followers? And he told him a story, very interesting story, the story of this uh, sadhus, a sadhu sampradaya whose nose were cut. Was the story, very interesting story, the how we are hoodwinked in the name of fanatical organizations. How? Very interesting story. That one day a person went deep into the forest to see a so-called a, a monk, a saint, meditating, sitting under the shade of a tree. He took him to be a real, realized soul, went and fell flat at his feet and told, initiate me. Now, he was actually not a saint the, who was sitting there. In the olden days, if anyone was caught, a thief was caught, just to indicate to the other people that he's a thief, they will either cut his ears or they will cut his nose. That used to be a very, very uh, cruel practice, but that was the practice. So this man was a thief whose nose was cut. Now, out of shame, that's, whenever he goes out, people will know that as a thief. So out of shame to hide himself, he was in, went into the jungle, never to come into the society. And he was just sitting there as an escape from the society. And this man took him to be a sadhu. And when the moment he told that I want to be initiated, so this thief now found, wow, good. Now I have the chance to have some association of people. So what he told, 
yes i will initiate but there is a condition if you have to get initiated into this order in which i am a sadhu see my guru when initiated me he cut my nose and then initiated me so you also have to get your nose cut first first you have to cut your nose and then i will initiate you and then in no time they found a huge organization of sadhus whose all nose were cut so that's how the so called fanaticism in the religion happens we are all hoodwinked because of our vulnerability we are exploited we pay money and think that's a quick fix remedy slip shot remedy is waiting there and all sorts of mass uh, the what you say that uh, hysteria develops from that be very careful know it for certain patience is required perseverance is required purity is required it's a gradual path and we have to traverse it nanya pantha vidyate naya there is no other way this is the only way and we have to there is no way of going back once i have understood a high ideal i can not delve in the sensual world again very nicely in bhagavatam they speak that there are three categories of people in this world one is extremely attached to the sensual pursuits there's a one pole the other pole is they are the realized soul and they both are happy they they are there for the time being their all vision is shadowed they quiet and enjoying their world they don't find anything higher than that they're happy the one who is in the top they also have transcended everything they are also happy but those who are in between they are the one who is suffering klishta antarito janaha this is the language of bhagavatam those who have found that this is the ideal but my senses are not allowing me to go there there we have to suffer but at the same time you cannot go back there's only way though i am suffering constantly i have to because i somehow have understood this way of life can give me no happiness how can i go back i cannot so constantly though it entails a lot of struggle that patience perseverance is there there's the only way out i have to go reach there in spite of all those suffering and then the last question that tasya pragya pratishtita that we even a fool won't do anything in this world unless there is a purpose without purpose no one does anything that why should i go through all this struggle vashehi yasyendriyani tasya pragya pratishtita in this world if you have to act through wisdom you have to control the senses you must say why because the desires our attachment to the senses is the only cause of all our biases which doesn't allow to see the thing as it is the common example in vedanta is that there is a stump lying in the corner of a park in the twilight hours in the dusk when the light is not sufficient a lover who is in search of his beloved sees the stump as the beloved just see how our desires inordinate attachments distorts our vision our biases distorts our vision he sees it as his beloved or she sees it as her beloved the child was playing in the park now it's going getting dark it is in now search of its mother mother is waiting somewhere when the game the game is over he will take the child back and now as is that 
the game hours are over he's also exhausted he wants to go home he's in search of his mother and he looks at the stump and thinks it's to be the mother the mother is waiting for the child and among many children he's she's all uh, she's she couldn't just trace where his her children exactly is so she's trying to find out where her child is and she looks at the stump and thinks it's to be the child a thief was running away from the police the thief thinks it to be the police the police who is in search of the thief thinks it to be the thief it is just the stump it is our desires which have totally clouded our vision as per our bias we see can never see the thing as it is and similarly in our life our biases doesn't allow us to see the very very common factor of life that the world is transient we are just a traveler here but the way we live the life here as if we are going to stay through eternity with it with all our turmoils quarrels everything it seems as if we are going to live through eternity here let's again speak of the bias and as long as the bias is there we cannot have the wisdom and as long as you have have no wisdom there bound to be turmoil conflicts tensions so this things speaks of the entire gamut of our psychology this slokas are so simple but it speaks a lot that in our day to day life how we are leading the life not only in the depth of my contemplation in that you can have an effective contemplation only when you have taken care of your day to day dealings of your life just suddenly i can just sit down for meditation and i will have a good meditation it can never happen what the preparation you have taken that's the preparation in our day to day life how i am acting how i am enacting through all my activities that can speak of qualitative meditation meditation doesn't speak how many hours you sit for meditation meditation speaks of that intent focus that can just pierce the layers of ignorance in one go so it speaks of the quality not the quantity sometimes in the name of spending more hours in meditation we try to escape from life we forget it's not that hours of meditation that is important if even for one second we can really focus our mind immediately immediately all our ignorance will vanish as sri ramakrishna used to say a very interesting story that suppose a cave is dark for millions of years never light has entered there so how to light it will do you think if i go and match and just light a matchstick there will it take another million years to get lighted that layer that the darkness which was there for millions of year in one strike vanishes just you go and just strike a matchstick it's gone so wisdom is like that in a flash all the ignorance falls off so to and it comes in a flash it doesn't speak of con that all the that continuation with our meditation speaks of to get that quality unless you get that all these are of no use it comes in a flash and once it comes all the so called ignorance has vanished 
you get established in wisdom. When Girish came to Ramakrishna and told that I have so I have done so much of sin that it is just like a huge mountain of sin. How can I be liberated? And Ramakrishna told, you know that the mountain of sin which you are speaking is the mountain of cotton or wool. Just a small spark of fire can immediately engulf it. That small spark of fire speaks of that pragya. That pragya, but to get to that pragya, that wisdom, these are the two necessary factors. Tani, Sarvani, Sangyamya. That, uh, that renounce, uh, that renounce, don't be near the things which disturb you. That environment is a big factor. Try to be away from it and try again and again to keep your mind in the Lord. These two simple things. It's so easy to say, but it takes lives together. Tablar bol, mukhe bola shahoj, hate anakotin. That when the teacher, the percussion teacher, the tabla teacher just recites the rhythm which you have to play. You learn it just in one minute. He will recite and he will ask to repeat it after you. You memorize it just in one minute or two minutes. And now he says play. It may take months. So it's easy to say, but it's this lifelong practice. But that's what the human birth is for. Know it for certain. Without that, the fulfillment, the happiness which we want in in life can never, never be reached. And that's what Bhagavan, out of compassion, is instructing to Arjuna, in actually not only to Arjuna, through Arjuna to enter humankind. So with this, we stop our discussion today. We will continue with the, the next two slokas are very, very important that how all the feelings all the various negative emotions gradually develop in our mind. The next two slokas will be discussing that. So we will again take up it in the next class. Thank you all. Namaskars.